Today's podcast is sponsored by the Rat Catchers Guild. If you have a rat problem and no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire... Hang on, that's the eighty. Hmm. <laughs> the Rat Catchers Guild. An expensive solution if you don't have a cat. All the tabletop role-playing news We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse And Morris is an official tabletop RPG Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I am Russ, aka Morris, or Morris, aka Russ, and with me this week is Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Role Players. Russ, as ever, it's a complete pleasure to be here. Episode one hundred and one. Oh, fantastic! That's uh, <laughs> that, that's quite some numbers. I mean, it is indicative that in another three uh, episodes or so, we will have been going for two years. Two like years. Every week without a break, because that's just sort of mad dash heroes of the podcasting community that we are. Two years. What was I thinking? I don't know, man. Why it's am I like doing this? Why am I here? Terrible life decisions. It's written all over you. <laughs> Speaking of terrible life decisions, uh, joining us all the way from uh, the Republic of Ireland, it is the fantastic uh, Emmett Byrne. How's it going, folks? Yep. Uh, I'm, Hello. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bummed I didn't make it onto the centenary episode, but uh, 101 will do, right? That's 101's better. Yeah. It's one higher. It's true, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a number of Dalmatians, traditional classes you take, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, you're, you're welcome to the brave new era of triple digits. <laughs> <laughs> so for those who don't know, Emma is the line manager... Uh, is that your title? Line manager? Producer, uh, producer. producer. Just producer. keep, keep producer. it nice and nebulous, because no one really knows what a producer does. Producer for Cubicle 7's uh, Warhammer Age of Sigma Soul Band yes. tabletop RPG, which oh. we're going to be talking about later in the show. Yep. For the moment, shall we do some RPG news? Oh, I suppose we could, couldn't we? You're going to like this, Peter. The news is everything is cancelled and everything is delayed. The end. (laughs) 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 We finished. (laughs) That was quick. (laughs) I I, I think you got a good good positive mental attitude there. (laughs) (laughs) Everything's on fire. That's it. Okay. This is fine. Let's let's start (laughs) with Wizards of the Coast. Because Wizards of the Coast have done that thing that we love them so much for. Uh, Our favourite oh. thing, in fact. But, but, but Russ, but Russ, what are you talking about? Because they ha- the other day they had an announcement that they were going to make. What, what well, was the announcement? Yeah, so, so on Twitter the other day, yeah. they yeah, yeah. announced that yeah. this Thursday, yesterday, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there would be a live announcement made on their Twitch stream. So oh, they announced an announcement, which we, and we love it when they announced an announcement. It's, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, that's like some quality stuff going on right there. But, but yes. I mean, uh, obviously, obviously, they listen to this podcast because they oh, doubled really? down on it. Not only did they no. announce the announcement, the announcement that they announced was yes. an announcement of an announcement. What? Oh, <laughs> it's the announcement. So, so what we had was we had the teaser of the announcement of the trailer, maybe. Or are uh, they not so prepared so. to commit to a full trailer at this time? Yeah, so this so. is some Disney level stuff where it's like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I mean, you don't want to jump straight into all of these like full on announcements yeah. without doing your pre announcement <laughs> announcements first. Cause yeah, you don't want to you don't want to shock people. <laughs> no, you don't, you don't want to shock people. Oh, that, 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 that won't fly at all. No, so did you okay. did you did you, either of you two catch what this uh, announcement of an announcement was announcing? Yeah, it's a new stream, no, right? I hate watching or, or, uh, it's, it's like their <laughs> yearly stream of annihilation type thing, right? Yeah, where they, they are going to where they are going to officially announce 
the new storyline and setting. And that is going to take place in June. Uh It's a great lineup for the stream, though. Really, really good. Yeah, yeah. So it's June 18th and 20th, and they've got a whole bunch. I I assume all this is going to be done from their homes, because normally they they go to a a comic store in LA and have this big... um, big party and everyone everyone uh-huh. everyone goes there but i assume this year it's all going to be from their homes but uh-huh. um yeah as you just said emmett the lineup is uh well it's superman yeah come on <laughs> i mean <laughs> brandon mouth people people did point out that brandon mouth has done other things but as, I, as far as i'm concerned anyone who's been superman is forever superman in my eyes he was in shock uh-huh. <laughs> was he <laughs> yeah yeah he was uh. <laughs> i know he's i know he's in that legends of Yesterday of tomorrow, Guardians oh, like of tomorrow, the Universe, yeah, yeah. yeah thing. What? One of the, one of the Arrowverse <laughs> things. Um, oh, okay, right. Yeah. He's in that, uh, yeah. and uh, yeah, he's, he's done other things. But as far as I'm concerned, he's Superman. Uh, oh. <laughs> also, we got Felicia Day. Oh, nice. We got Deborah Ann Wall. Mm, we got Amy Acker. Oh. That rings a bell. Uh, was she? In some of that Buffy verse, Buffy and Angel, yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, that's who she is. Yep. Uh, David Harbour, who I you know from there. Stranger Things, the sheriff. Oh yes, yes, excellent. Uh, Black Matthew Widow, Lillard, Anne Prosser, Sam Ooh. Richardson, Thomas Middleditch. Some of these people I'm not as familiar with as the others, but uh, uh, it's a massive, massive, massive lineup. Mm, okay, and it yeah. includes Superman, so you know. Yeah, well, it must be good. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. So it's. I'm wondering if there's some clues here about what this new setting and an adventure is. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, the, the, what, what they actually said was fans of D&D will learn all about the new setting and storyline. So I don't know if that's a setting and a separate storyline or a storyline uh-huh. in a setting. Uh-huh. That's one of those things. And we don't know what it is, but there have been some sort of slight clues that have emerged. Interesting. So there's a guy over on Reddit who reckons he's heard from an inside source <laughs> that it's Icewind Dale. Well, there you go. I don't yeah. know how reliable that is or not. I, but, you know. Well, if a, if a guy down the pub said it, then, yeah. It must be well, pretty. it's one of those rumours that's floating around. So, uh, But yeah. also, if you look at some of the artwork that they've been putting out, there's a, mm-hmm. a big picture of some adventurers standing clearly in some Arctic scene with snow coming Ooh. down, holding up torches in front of a big cave. Nice. Which is definitely Icewind Dale-ish. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm not saying it is Icewind Dale. I've got no oh. idea. I've got no inside knowledge. I'm just yeah. completely well, I mean, they're, guessing. They're running out of biomes, right? Like they did the, the, the just general nice middle place. They did yeah. the really hot place. They've done the spooky place. Did. So it's time to go to yeah. the cold place. I guess it must be, yeah. Yeah, I mean, those are well, well recognised uh, trains, like hot, cold, spooky. I mean, <laughs> ice, the, ice must be next. That's the yeah. scientific names for the terms. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you should see my notes on the Great Parch map for Soulbound. We're very technical. <laughs> 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 I, I see your GM notes, though. It says a sexy goblin. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't all goblins sexy? I, I think we'll leave your uh, goblinophilia to, to a different <laughs> podcast. Right? This is the right, uh, place. Let's keep it PG. Come on, people. Anyway, where were we? Uh, we're talking about clues. The other clue is yeah. uh, they are selling a bunch of apparel because this is apparel. Oh. Even. Apparel. Apparel. Am I making up words now? Apparel. <laughs> They're selling alcohol. Apparel. Yeah. You're just well, mispronouncing them. Right? T-shirts and stuff. Because yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is all for Red Nose Day. Yes. It's all for comic relief. They're arranging money for comic relief at the same time. Okay. And the apparel 
not the apparel, uh-huh. the apparel that they are uh, 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 selling includes things like yeah. t-shirts and stuff, and they got things like snowy owl bears and things, Aww. which is also ice themed or cold themed. Well, that does have a certain ring to it. So, but, but yeah, you, you know, exactly what a snowy owl bear. It's like just um, a ten foot tall of murderous uh, rage uh, with, with a lighter uh, light frosting. And frosted rage is always better. Um, sticking on Wizards of the Coast. Oh, must be. Okay, come on. Mike Merles. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's back. Back in action. Did back he ever leave? You know he, disapp- you know he disappeared for about a year and a half. They put him in a box or something, I heard. Well, it seems that he was working... I mean, we kind of suspected that anyway. He was working on the video game stuff. Oh, he was working on some of the branding or the lore or something behind Baldur's Gate 3. That's so he was working right. with the video game company. And that's Making what sure they have all doing. the the heights of all the buildings correct because that's very important apparently. yeah something, something like that yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway he's finished doing that and he's that's back right. working full time on the RPG now right right he's come out of Perda and well, he's he back doing something doesn't seem to be back on social media mm-hmm. he's back working but uh, he hasn't been on social media for about a year and a half since um, the incident since his last tweet <laughs> yeah <laughs> but less, anyway. less said about that the better <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, I've got some good news Mm-hmm. Strontium Dog. Yes. You can buy it. You can buy oh. it right now. Well, that, I don't recall Wizards of the Coast bringing out Strontium Dog. Wizards of the Coast have not bought out Strontium Dog. That would that would be a lot. No, that would be odd. That, that would be yeah. odd. Uh, no. So this is this is from from me from EN Publishing. Oh, exciting! Yes. For Judge Dread and the Wars of 2008 RPG, mm-hmm. it's a setting book, Strontium Dog, where you play uh, bounty hunters across mm-hmm. space and time. Nice. So you can go on to distant planets and uh, catch criminals, or you can go back in time and arrest Hitler, or all sorts of. You don't have to arrest wacky. Hitler. I mean, yeah, shoot. Shenanigans, however, are very much on the table. Uh, I mean, Emma, who's your favourite uh, 2008 character? Carl uh, Urban. <laughs> Good choice. Good choice. Yeah. We're not allowed to mention him, though. We've only got the license for the comics. We're not allowed to mention the film. Uh, <laughs> we uh, uh, years ago, I remember my. Um, one of my cousins had mm. basically every single issue of 2000 AD and we just found them in the attic mm. wow. one day. Just boxes and boxes of 2000 AD, like sealed, kept in yeah. pristine condition. That's my brother. Incredible. He's got loads of, loads of them. Yeah. 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 I, um, I did the cover, actually. The cover is... Like, stick hands all over them. Spot on. <laughs> uh, yeah, the cover's, the cover's gorgeous. I mean, it's not our artwork. It's um, one, of, one of the fun things about um, licensed stuff, as I'm sure you know, Emma, is you get access to a lot of artwork you can use without having to get it done yourself. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Which is, uh, which is a wonderful, wonderful sort of side effect of licensed. Yeah, licensed I, I, I think with something like 2008, it is so distinct that trying to get someone to match that style is going to be... Yeah. Really tough, yeah. I think. Well, that's, that. yeah. well, that's definitely interesting. I mean, the artwork style has changed so much throughout the decades as well. Yeah. As it goes back yeah, to the seventies, so you get, you know, there's been an awful lot of artists and different styles of art in 2008. Yeah, mm. that's and we got all access to all of that to choose from. It's marvelous. Fantastic, oh, nice. Yeah, it really, it really yeah. helps. It's selling everything, you know. But, yeah, but, and, it, and it being a comic book, it's hey, literally, hey, it's literally books full of artwork. 40 years yeah. of books full of pictures. I mean... Yeah. I mean, it's, like, it's really small for choice. Yeah. And to yeah. be fair, the, the EM products have been really quite gorgeous. Like, just, like, really quality sets of things. You're like, oh, okay, this... Yeah. So, yeah, they are, they are pretty books you're coming out with, so I do oh, like okay. that. And I lick every single one, so... 
Mm, of course, I think the slave rights is certain something to it. <laughs> Although I think uh, in the current, current in climate, case. I think Nicking's. I've got to stop doing that now, haven't I? Yeah, yeah, probably a good <laughs> idea. The best. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, advertising your books as pre-licked no longer has the cachet that perhaps you might have hoped. <laughs> so, so in that seamless segue into seamless. coronavirus and cancellations. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you see that was smooth, wasn't it? Did you like that? Oh, smoother than the cashmere copies. Crushed it. Uh, yeah. We do have two more two more convention cancellations to announce. Has Gen Con bitten the bullet? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It Gen Con. So Essence Spiel yes. oh, has, wow. has cancelled. Damn. I mean, there's these other surprises. Yeah, yeah. And Gen Con has also finally... Because that was the one everyone was waiting for. Because Origins cancelled, and no. UK Games Expo cancelled, and PaizoCon cancelled. It's not everyone cancelled. I think Gen Con was the last really big one. Yes. Uh, people were waiting to see what would happen, and yeah, they've uh, they've, they've cancelled. Oh. No surprise. Yeah. I'm it's just a bummer. Kind of wondering whether they're going to come back next year. Oh. I don't oh. know. I mean, there's um. Dragon Meat in uh, December... If someone's got a crystal ball, now's a great time to tell us yeah. what's going on because yeah. nobody knows. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not holding out my hopes for that, but uh, we'll see, uh-huh. I guess. Yeah. Well, I I mean, even, even, if, even if big conventions did start opening up later in the year, I'm not sure I'd want to go to one. I don't know. I, I think that's it. Like, Gen Con could have run... They probably could have run it. I think the state is allowing conventions to happen, but, mm. you know, who's going to go, you know? Yeah. 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 I'm super I mean, bummed because uh, it was supposed to be my first Gen Con. I've never gone to Gen Con. Oh, but also, it's a, you know, it's it's for the best. And it just means we can rock up next you. year with about 10 different books for Soulbound. Yeah. Don't, call, don't, don't, don't quote me on yeah. that. Right, you've, <laughs> done, you've, you've done UK Games Expo, I assume, quite a few times. Have you? Yeah, I was there last yeah. year now. I, I could only stay for a day or two, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> I, I had never actually went off, off my own back as a just a fan. I, I'd been mm-hmm. to Essen a few years uh, the last two or three years, um, which is just fantastic. Obviously, uh, with Cubicle Seven, and prior to that, just uh, uh, myself and one of my mates went to do- went over for that. Um, Essen's great, but yeah, Essen like is even feels even busier than uh, Games Expo. Like oh, it's, it's just, yes, it's, it's, people it's, 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 rammed into the the convention yeah. halls, and that's in the even in the RPG side of it, which is you know the air quote less visited side of it. Yeah. So, so Gen Con and Essen are basically a, a roughly the same size. They're both enormous. Yeah. Um, Gen Con uh, gives more figures away than Essen does, so it's hard to tell. Um, but uh, they're, they're roughly the same size. And then UK Games Expo and Origins are both roughly the same size, yeah. sort of a tier below them. And then you've got everyone else like yeah. that. But Essen has curry first, so therefore it is superior. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can get those UK Games Expo in the in the you know they have all the in front of the hotel they have all the um, oh yeah yeah, yeah. Carav- yeah not, car- car- not caravans what are they called you know food trucks food trucks stalls food trucks caravans you're going to the wrong place you're just going to some unlicensed guy. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, but, but the food tastes all the better with all the extra uh, food poisoning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's sad news, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, not, not unexpected, but it is sad. Uh, also delayed. Mm-hmm. Uh, also citing COVID. Uh, yes. Two products, two books, two sci-fi books. Uh, one of them is Cyberpunk Red. Mm-hmm. Which uh, was going to be coming out. Let's have a look. That was going to be coming out in June. Okay. It's been pushed back to the end of summer, 
Uh, and that was from our Tausorian Games. Uh-huh. And the other one from uh, Wyvern Gaming was the uh, Stargate RPG. Ooh. It was uh, it's D&D 5e powered. It was going oh, to launch yeah. at Gen Con. Yep. Uh, and they've now pushed their Kickstarter back. So I assume mm-hmm. the Kickstarter was earlier than that then, I guess. I'm I not sure. believe that. Uh, it seems like a plan because yeah. they need time to do it. So the Kickstarter has been pushed back to winter 2020 with the mm-hmm. game being released in 2021. Mm-hmm. So it's not just conventions, it's actual, it's actual books as well. I wonder, I'm pretty sure. I wonder was the cyberpunk red? This is just me being slightly cynical here. Pushed back to coincide with the release of the, the new game, which is slated for September. Maybe, I would have thought they'd have planned that from the start in that case, though, wouldn't they? Yeah, true, true. I'd have thought, I don't know, maybe. Who knows? Who knows? Well, they know, I guess. But we don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I imagine there's a whole load of people that have Kickstarters ready to go and they're holding off right now I would imagine so so many people who would have been launching games at Expo yeah. like um, one of our, our, our writers that's working on Soulbound they were to have a game launch at, at UK Games Expo and you know Expo's cancelled and that's supposed to be your big thing reintroduce it to the world and so I, I would imagine there's a lot of people in, in that scenario where they yeah. they line everything up for Gen Con or Games Expo or Essen um, and then this is going to have a, a huge impact on people, which is, you know, it's it's really tough on on so many, like the, between board games and, you know, RPG publishers and everything. It's, uh, it's a difficult time that we're all desperately trying to muddle through. Mm. Oh, wow, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the Stargate RPG, they're delaying the um, release, the Kickstarter until fall 2020. Mm. So like they're pushing which that right really, back. Yeah, and that's when the book was actually supposed to be coming out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so, they pushed everything uh, maybe back. Well, well, to be fair, it's like maybe waiting a bit longer isn't a bad thing. We've got more time to do the open playtest and so forth, so yeah. I guess, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Um, I don't know how to pronounce this one. I'm going I'm to say some words now, and I, I, might, uh-huh. I, might, I, might, I might be saying them wrong. What the chance of that? <laughs> you probably showing guys pronunciation. That's not my sort of thing. And, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. No. Uh, no, all right, all right. Mispronouncing yeah. words is my sort of thing. But, um... Yeah. It's not words, it's names. It's more names. But this is Studio Circa, Circa, C-E-R-C-A. C-E-R-C-A. That looks like Circa? Are they a Spanish company or something? Uh, No, no, this is, uh, so this is Robert Mariner Dodds. He runs Dragon Turtle Games and then they produce the uh, Carbon 2185 um, D&D powered cyberpunk RPG. Okay, sounds good. Uh, so he's opened up, he spun out a new company with his sister, mm-hmm, his sister mm-hmm. Cassandra Dodds, and it's called Studio... Circa? I, I'm going to go with Circa. Yeah. Um, Just pick one and go on. with it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, you could, you could go with a hard cat, see it be Kirka, but that would be weird. I, I, I'm going to go with Circa. Okay, so well, it's... Circa. It might be, but I'm going with Circa. Yeah, Go with Circa. Let's just let's each pick one and just like, like each, each yeah. pronounce it differently. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll roll a D three every time it comes up. So this studio, circle, yeah. But anyway, this this studio, which yeah. is uh, starting up, this new company, starting it up with his sister uh, Cassandra, and yeah. it is a anime themed studio based on the works oh. or influenced by the yeah. works of uh, Hayao uh, Miyazaki, a Japanese uh-huh. animator. Uh-huh. Uh, are you familiar with this chap? Oh yeah, uh, his stuff is uh, absolutely incredible. I actually, uh, yeah. uh, I studied animation for four years in oh, college. Right, so you'll know, so, you'll know. Yeah. 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 Okay, could you, ta- could you, <laughs> you could tell, tell us, us a bit more then. about it? Because 
I don't know. It's news to me. Yeah, uh, actually, conveniently, I think Netflix has all of his films now. But the, the films are just absolutely beautiful, really odd and quirky, um, very much anti-war films oh, okay. a lot of the time uh, which like is a Death weird of the fireflies or yeah yeah, yeah. um is that one so i'm not actually sure if that's here. one of his so there's princess princess mononoke oh yeah yeah yeah. castle okay. in the sky right spirited yes. away right yes yeah. okay. spirited these away are... is absolutely incredible yeah they, they, uh, these are big names and very good films yeah. yeah okay well that's that's his stuff i think he kind of became so. um more Western audiences became a bit more aware of him with Princess Mononoke. Right. Uh, oh. And then Spirit Away kind of came afterwards and Howl's Moving Castle and, and things oh. like that. Um, this stuff is just, it's just really beautiful, kind of surreal, ethereal kind of feel to it. Um, mm. I, I always find them slightly unsettling because there's these unusual creatures and things in it. But um, yeah, I think pretty much all of them should be on Netflix now. I think. Fantastic. I'm not sure if that's Netflix UK or US or whatever, but um, well, I, I guess we'll have to get us to a Netflix and find out. Yeah, yeah, his, his stuff is just absolutely stunning and definitely worth a look. It, yeah, that his, uh, big themes are kind of anti-path pacifism. You know, uh, I think a lot of it heavily influenced by World War Two and and obviously his reaction to that uh, um, and the just actual like, Japanese culture yeah. reacting to that. So it being mm. a D and D RPG with. Passive oh, yeah, so this will be an interesting mix. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that 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 seems like a a, a, a strange choice to make. That but, okay, but, but yeah. he used he used D five E for his Cyberpunk game as well. So, I, mean, I guess that's a system he's familiar with and comfortable with working with. I guess, and that's uh, that, that is a thing you could do. It doesn't immediately feel doing. fit for purpose, but I mean, you know, I'm sure a lot of people would have said the same about Adventures in Middle Earth and. Uh, Lord of the Rings. So there's definitely there's definitely some interesting design space there to work in. Um, yeah. And I think if they get it right, it could be really, really interesting. Hmm. Oh, here we go. I've got this quote. I think this came off an article on Wikipedia or something. Uh, his films tend to feature strong female protagonists and themes of nature, technology, art, and pacifism. There we go. Ooh, alrighty. Now I feel educated. Do you? Do you really? <laughs> Marvelous. Well, I'm not, I'm, uh. you know, I'm not someone who's particularly familiar with anime and Japanese animation mm. and stuff like that. So, you know, yeah, I am educated. Funny. I've learned a new thing. You have. Literally, you just, you literally just saw me live learn a new thing. Yeah. I can go to bed now. <laughs> I, I can, I cannot recommend the films enough, honestly. No, they, they sound like excellent films. So yes, well, if you haven't seen them already, then there you go. You heard it here, possibly 1,000th or possibly not. I don't know. Check <laughs> it out on Netflix. Why not? Um, anyway, any, any, any other news? There is more news. We've got a preview of the Pathfinder yeah. Mystery 2. Pathfinder Mystery 2. Mystery 2. Not Mystery, mystery 2. That makes a lot more sense. There's a B, not an M. Mystery yeah. 2. Uh, it contains more than 300 monsters. Nice. Yes. And they've given us a little preview of Grendel of Beowulf fame. Morlocks. Yeah. Uh, Raveners. And Serpent Folk, along with a look at the table of contents, which looks an awful lot like a big long list of monsters. Does it now? Mm. Oh. Um, any interest? Does it have the CRs as well? or um, Not in this preview, no. Okay, but 300 monsters. I expect there's a fair old range of them there. So, yeah. yeah, I would have thought so, yeah. Uh, and Pathfinder's already given us animated brooms with which to beat your players. Talk- quite frankly, it has it, it has it has my affection for that alone. Talking talking of monsters with a range, 
Has? Green Running has launched their Kickstarter, not Kickstarter, they're on Game on Tabletop, which is a right, different Game on Tabletop platform. So it's not Kickstarter. It's not Kickstarter, it's Game on it's Tabletop. Game on Tabletop. Okay. Uh, right. uh, they've launched uh, the campaign for the Book of Fiends. And book of Fiends. Yes, so it's a D&D 5th edition. It's a hardcover yes. book of demons, devils, and other assorted nasties. There's a lot of fiends. It's a lot of fiends. Um, so the original Book of Fiends, it came out in the early oh. 2000s. And yes. uh, that was a compilation of two books. One was Legions of Hell. The other one was yep. Armies of the Abyss. Right. And I really liked, especially Legions of Hell, I really, really liked that book. This is like 2000. Yeah. Two or something. It was a long time ago. Yeah. But D&D 3.5. So okay. the, the Book of Fiends compiled those two for D&D 3.5. Uh, and now, sort of 15 years later or more, yeah. uh, this is this is the fifth edition version of that book. All with all right. new colour art, because back then I think it was black and white art, if I remember correctly. Uh, um, this So it's a 200-page book. It's got over 130 demons and devils and, you know, outer plane folks, right. lords of hell, demon princes, yeah. and stuff. I just spotted it's, it's written by Rob Schwab, and I am not surprised Ooh. at all. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Shadow of the Demon Lord. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, not just him. He knows got, what he likes. It's demons. Well, they've also got Eric Mona yeah. from Paizo. Oh, yes. That's uh, good stuff. Chris Pramus, obviously, from Green Running. Uh, so it's a it's a it's a good it's a good lineup there, and also they've got monsters going up to CR thirty one. That level doesn't even exist. The stat block just says you die. Thirty one. Yeah, for for when when you're like oh the players have high fatalities. Yeah. Like, do you mean the characters? No. So what though? In mythological figures and maleficent monsters, we have two. I think it's two higher than thirty. Creatures. Hmm. One is um, uh, what's the giant wolf? Nordic giant wolf called? I've forgotten. Fenris. Fenris. Yeah, Fenris. Oh, Fenris. One is Fenris. Oh, I think he's like yeah, I'm thinking of Dark Souls. Whoops. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. yeah, I think he's like thirty-three, and then we got Lucifer, who's thirty-five. Mm, nice. As soon fine. as you give stats to a god or anything like that, people are going to try and kill it. Ooh, I don't know. Sure. CR thirty-five. Five hit points. What was the Tarath? Like twenty-three or twenty-four 30, or something? Think, isn't it? Is I think it, it was in earlier editions. I think in, in 5th edition, is it lower? Maybe it's not. I don't know. I don't know. Seriously Googled. But these CR31 critters will definitely kick the Taras's ass, I'm sure. Good mm. Oh, no. C- CR30, yeah. Oh, sorry. We don't say CR anymore. It's Challenge 30. Ch- yes. Yeah, I can't, yeah, I can't get that out of my head either. It's, uh, it's not CR for Challenge rating. It's just Challenge. Yeah, yeah. No rating anymore. Just yeah. straight Challenge. Yeah. Uh, right, what else we got? We've got some previews from Keith Baker's Eberron book, Exploring Eberron. Exciting. We've got a lot of previews from Keith Baker's book, Exploring Eberron. We've got a lot, lot of previews. A lot, a lot, a lot of previews, a lot of page spreads. We've got like one, two, three, four, five, seven, seven eight, nine, oh, you're like a thousand or so. Loads, loads and loads of them. <laughs> and it's looking pretty gorgeous. So this is, uh, this is for Eberron by, uh, Eberron creator, Keith Baker. It's uh-huh. going to be in hardback and PDF format, and it's going to come out on the DMs Guild soon, is the date we're given. And the previews uh-huh. are just all these gorgeous page spreads with, you know, lovely art. We've got a couple of um, excerpts of things like Dark Blood Dwarves, uh, Null characters, yeah, Dark Blood Mutations, mm. a Goblin Glossary. There's a Goblin Glossary here. Here we go. Uh, finally. 
Yeah, finally, you know how to count to ten in Goblin. Uh, ga, ka, kaga, ah, kas, kron, hirot, kaf, gas, mokas, mokas. There you go. Yeah, that's cat. That is cat, you are correct. That's cat. That, that's that sounds cat. like someone just ate a spoonful of uh, cinnamon and, like, okay, take down whatever noises I make. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sounds a bit like Klingon, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, aren't Yeah. Sure, why not? So. You know, um, it's, these previews are all something you're just going to jump on the site and have a look at. And um, there's uh, a great big mm-hmm. section on Azimar previewed there. Some monsters like Merfolk and Melds. Uh, there's oh, it's just tons of it, tons and tons and tons of it. Stuff about the Last War. It's it looks like a you know it looks like a Wizards of the Coast book. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. The artwork's amazing. It's I don't know. I don't know what to say really. It's, if you if you like everyone, buy it. Nah. <laughs> hey, uh, uh, talking, talking of uh, talking about, there's a, a company called uh, Cubicle Seven. No, no, no it's pronounced Cubiclay. <laughs> Cubiclay. Yeah, it's actually Crucible Seven. <laughs> I'll have you know. Yeah, Crucible Seven <laughs> uh, has uh, put a crapload of previews from Warhammer 40k from some kind of Age of Sigma book. All sorts oh, of stuff. Oh. Um, is that, is uh, that we don't need to talk about that. No, let's not talk about that. Shall oh, we? No, <laughs> skip that. Right, so, fair enough. Let's <laughs> get that. Okay. Well, I spent all that time reading that bloody book for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Damn yeah, it. Like a... <laughs> um, um. Yeah. So uh, the art that was previewed for 40k, Wrath and Glory, mm-hmm. was the Cemetery Moon Daedalon. Daedalon, 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 Daedalon. I think it's Daedalon. I'm trying to remember back to the playtest. Daedalon. Why not? It's a gorgeous piece of art. It's uh, absolutely lovely. So it's kind of um, just describing pictures on a podcast here. But um, it's it's by J.G. O'Donoghue. And uh, it's just this sort of castle-like temple. Yeah. I don't know how to describe it with all these sort of like flying droney robot heads floating yep, around. Sounds about right, yep. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and lots of glowy yellow bits. It's uh, what, what, what picture are you talking about, Russ? I'm talking the picture of Warhammer 40k Cemetery Moon Daedalon. It's like a cathedral if it was made out of metal, basically. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. JG's one of our internal artists. Actually, he's done some incredible stuff for us. He um, that is gorgeous. His, it is lovely. His background was like he used to do. Um, he worked. with... Uh, a lot of his historical like recreation companies yeah. and they would give him you know the, the oh these ruins were like this can you hmm. draw us what this village would have looked like um, oh, so he's yeah. a huge wealth of knowledge on architecture and various different cultures and all this kind of thing it's absolutely like his reference folder on his computer I just want to steal it's just absolutely yeah. incredible are we, are we talking about this picture here where it's like essentially got this like really gothic um, sort of mausoleum style cathedral with giant statues of Death's head figures holding two-handed swords, yes. posing in front of it. That is You've got like battlefield gothic going on in the background, with like some two moons rising up, and there's like the sort of a ruined cityscape all around. And yeah, you've got wow, sort of weird-looking, creepy androids and mecha things, which are like robots uh, creeping over a like a uh, uh, rubble in front of it. It also appears to have like a lot of naked flames everywhere, like um, candles and that sort of thing. Yeah, hmm. that's. I believe those creepy. are servitors floating around. 
they'll, they will be goals. servitors. Servo you, goals. You've got, you've got service goals and it might be servitors, which are the weird arachnid, but metal-looking bad boys kicking around. Uh, yeah, so yeah, it's a... Uh, it's some classic 40k there. Mm. I like it. Right. I think that is it for the news for this week. It's time to play our favourite game. It's time to play the game. Our favourite game in all the world. Guess the Kickstarter from just the name. Shall we play our favourite game in all the world? I don't know. I'll be really angry if I don't win this. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh. I was okay. trolling I was Kickstarter this morning that looking for a, uh, a challenge. <laughs> it's not a gordon that I see in your hands. <laughs> I'm actually, I, I feel so out of touch with Kickstarter the last while, just with being buried and trying to get the That's better. The, That's better. the game, the game is so much better yeah. when you haven't been looking at Kickstarter recently. Yeah, like that. that the idea is you guess what it is from the name alone. Like if you actually know what it is already, then it's not. But not I, challenging, but I like it? winning. <laughs> Oh, okay. Oh, so I'm, I'm sure you'll. I'm sure you'll be fine. <laughs> no, I never win. It's all right. Some, something. Something tells me that you'll be okay. Well, that's, that's fine. There's only one way to find out for sure, isn't there? It's true. Empiricism. Yes. So let's play our favorite yeah. game in the world. The game where I read out the name of a Kickstarter and you try and guess what it is from just the name. Who well, would no, like to go first? I don't know. Would you like to go first, or shall I go first? Oh, you go for it, man. Okay, I'll go first. All right then, Peter. Yeah. What is? Escape from Skullcano Island. I am sold. <laughs> I know. I'm sold on the name. I don't need to know yes. anything else. <laughs> I, it's, it's like, just a set of picture of me waving a handful of used tennis at the creator <laughs> saying, Take my money! <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, Escape from Skullcano Island. Mm. I'm looking at the art for this one at the moment, and wow. <sighs> yes. Okay, so... Um, I'm hoping it's leaning so hard into pulp, it's going right through that into like massive, uh, all the way over the top stuff. Um, and obviously, Skullcano Island, which is a volcano, uh, in the shape of a skull that is constantly bubbling in the background, is like one of the major non speaking characters within. Where have I seen that piece? A volcano shaped like a skull. Uh, He-Man. He-Man, yes, of course, yeah. yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so we've got this sort of like, you know, skull-shaped volcano, like, bubbling away in the background. And um, then we've got like a full-on, oh, a sketch of Skullcano. So I'm going to hopefully go with like a sort of a 1940s vibe. Uh, so we've got like that full pulp experience. Um, and this is, I'm hoping, an adventure. Uh, oh, what did it be for? Ooh. I would hope for Savage Worlds. Uh, it's probably fifth of the Power by the Apocalypse to make me sad, but I'm hoping for Savage Worlds. Uh, just so you can have that full... I'm thinking, like, you've got a seaplane. Because if this doesn't have a seaplane in, it's like, my heart will be saddened. Do you know what I mean? It's like... No, I won't say broken. Like, <laughs> you don't care about it. Over itself. <laughs> yeah, it's like... But, you know, it, it's like... It, this calls for a seaplane landing... Um, like somebody's got like a, a a bomber jacket, which is entirely too hot for the climate. It's full on tropical island. Um, I think you spent longer like, describing this game than it would actually take to read the bloody thing. Well, you probably should read the bloody <laughs> thing, don't you? Um, um, which system did you go for in the end? You mentioned three there. Oh, I went Savage Worlds. So. Oh, if only you'd say fifth edition. Uh, you were yeah. absolutely spot on with everything. Except for the system. So I would have given you 10 out of 10. Instead, I'm going to give you 8 out of 10, which gives you a total of 
now three points Woo-hoo. out of ten is your current yes. score, which coincidentally is the same as Emmys. How bizarre. I think you just described yeah. Tailspin, by the way. <laughs> um, oh, so this is exactly what you said, but it's for D and D fifth edition. It's okay. an adventure for D and D fifth edition. All this B movie monster movie stuff, and uh, the cover has got like this two-headed King Kong fighting nice. some kind of giant snake-like monster with a little man at the bottom looking really tiny and facing away from mm. us. I assume he also looks very scared, but I can't see his face. That seems likely. Yeah. It does look fun, though. I'm totally, totally going to bat that. Amen. Oh, is that like a oh. Demogorgon fighting a Ramirez? Ramir- is that what they're called? Yeah, I can't okay. remember. Uh, a Ramirez. A purple oh, one. A Ramirez. Just a guy named Mur- <laughs> Ramirez. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> he's, super, he's super scary, guys. Super scary. It's like a purple worm, isn't it? Maybe. Yeah, actually. Yeah. Nice. It's not a Demogorgon because uh, he has hands, not tentacles. Yes. Uh, let's have a look. I think there's Erinyes or something. Uh, was that what you were No, it's Pterodactyls okay, so in the air there. Oh, wow. They, well, they've smashed their goal, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, doing really well. Oh, wow. So they've got some sort of kaiju or some description. Two headed Godzilla, yeah. It, look, it looks pretty, pretty, pretty good. It does look good. Uh, it does look good. Uh, okay. Uh, so that leaves Emmett with the last one. All you've got to do is score higher than zero points to win. You need one point to win. It's a big ask. It's a big ask. It's a big ask. I think you can do it. I think you're up for the challenge. I Uh, think you can do it. I can see that glint in your eyes. We believe believe you, Emmett. You can do this. The eye of the tiger. (laughs) 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 Okay, what is Fred Saberhagen's Empire of the East? Right, just rules clarification here. Is this mm. just tabletop game, uh, uh, RPGs or board games? Uh, just RPGs. Okay, Ooh. so, right, go give me the name again. Uh, so, Fred. Assu- assuming I'm pronouncing the gentleman's name correctly, Fred Saberhagen, Saberhagen. <laughs> the word Saber and then the word Hagen joined into one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, Empire of the East. Empire of Ooh. the East. Um, that is interesting. Only one point needed. You only have to get one detail of this correct. It, Other it than the fact that it's a role-playing game. We know that much. Yeah, it's, yeah, it sounds like kind of Oriental Adventures style, which doesn't seem like a super great idea. Um, Empire of the... God, is it, is it like a... I'm going to say it's a rules for a system, let's say D&D. Because fifth edition <laughs> for making your own empires and building actually like functioning empires and city states and things like that uh, in your own D and D world. I think I'm wrong, but I'm pitching an idea. Here. <laughs> it's a strong idea. It's a strong I, I totally back your Kickstarter. I don't think this is what it's about. It's not, unfortunately. No. Uh, so this is from Good. Fred Saber Hagen's an author. The chapter wrote the Berserker series. Oh, you know, where like there's all these um, robots. Uh, that coming from outer space that want to kill people because reasons, basically. You're you're a filthy organic. You should die. That chap. Oh, uh, that's where I know him from. Yeah. So come on, Russ, tell us about. So this is Pagan's Goodman Games for the Dungeon yeah. Crawl Classic system, and it's a role-playing game source book based on Fred Saberhagen's Empire of the East series. Yeah. which is apparently available as a modern compilation or three individual volumes called The Broken Lands, The Black Mountains, and Ardenay's World. 
Wow. Yeah. Um, I, I had to, I had to, I had to Google this because I hadn't heard of it, but, um, the, the Wikipedia summary is that you've got Cold War, there's a nuclear exchange, and then, quote, the change, unquote, appears, which is where technology ceases to function, magic now mm. works, and Orcus, a giant nuclear bomb mid-explosion, has been caught by this magic and has become some sort of sentient being, which is uh, a, a powerful demon mm. in this case. Well, the first line of the Kickstarter uh, says, Thousands of years ago, nuclear fire yeah. changed the world, magic returned, a vile yeah. empire rose, and resistance fighters fight for freedom. So that's the basic premise. Yes. Of this. yes. There's an omnibus edition, Empire of the East, which was, came out in 1979. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and that looks interesting. That is, so, yeah. that is steaming ahead. One week to go on Kickstarter. It's done 493% of its goal. It's doing very, very, very Ooh. well. Smashed it. Unfortunately, Emma, you didn't score anything in that round, which means both <sighs> of you are on three points. It's a draw. So we're the most boring losers. result possible. It's a draw. Sorry. <laughs> <sighs> uh, this, oh, this just remind me, just I, I haven't paid enough attention to Kickstarter recently. <laughs> but that's a good yeah. thing. That's a good thing. <laughs> because, because if you did know all the answers, it would make the game really boring. <laughs> yes. Yeah, sure. I, I, like I should your, just I like your pitch, you know, like uh, Empire, Empire of the East. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's another project you can take to your next team meeting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. As I was describing <laughs> it, I was like, oh, that sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the dungeon's clear. Now it's time to take a look at all that shiny, shiny loot. I've got to take magic prepared, and my wand of identification is fully charged. So let's check out the Monty Hall. Wait, I just got a new book of unusual and rare magic items with random tables. Sounds amazing. So what did I get? Let's start with this sword. That is a sword that inflicts emotional wounds. What? Ah, instead of cutting flesh... This blade cuts deep into your psyche, doing emotional damage. Oh, so like psychic damage instead of slashing? Not, not exactly. It just makes the target feel like they've let down their parents, and their friends only pretend to like them. Okay. What about this? Ah, that is a wand of tallow. Oh, that sounds useful. Tallow is a really powerful spell for someone in my level, and a wand... Uh, uh, uh. Not, not hollow, tallow, once per day. This crafty, heavily crafted magical wand can summon one pound of a rendered mutton fat. Ah, well, not quite as useful. Uh, what about, what about this book? Ah, there my friend you have an instructional tome. Ah, excellent. So do I get an attribute boost or a new feat? Both, but first... You'll have to translate it. Oh, OK. Uh, can I tell what language it's in? Oh, yes. Prairie dog. Uh, do prairie dogs have a language? But of course they do. Surely you know. It's a very complex language, capable of identifying size, shape, colour, and even articles of human clothing. Although they have no concept of gender. You're making that up. No, no, seriously, that's true. You can read about these online. Fascinating. Huh, well, until I actually meet a prairie dog, it's kind of useless really, isn't it? Uh, 
it would have to be a prairie dog that also spoke a language that you speak to translate it. Yeah, obviously. All right. Okay. Uh, just uh, run down the list. So what, what else did I get? Ah, so many treats. Negative gold pieces. Hmm. A hairbrush that changes your hair colour randomly. Uh-huh. Goggles that put sensor bars over monsters of the aberration type. Uh-huh. A bag of endless rats. Right. A figurine of wondrous power. Chicken. <sighs> a misspell book. Uh-huh. A scroll that unfolds into a map of the dungeon. It is, however, a one-to-one scale map of the dungeon. Oh, great. A dozen duck-sized horses and a deck of one thing. A deck of one thing. Do I even want to know what the one thing is? I feel sure it is a spoon. (sighs) So, tell me, in this book you got, are there any useful magic items anywhere at all in it? That spoon is very useful. Well, not when it's printed on a card, it's not. You're just not using your imagination. You're not thinking of all the potential uses. What potential use am I meant to get from a herd of duck-sized horses? Would you rather have one horse-sized duck? Hey, so right in front of me right now, I have got, I've got the Age of Sigmar book open. Uh, so I'm currently looking at the bit of the book uh, where you roll up the appearance of your character. In particular, I've got the Distinguishing Features table in front of me here, oh, which yeah. I think is a lot of fun. So I thought I was just, I, I'd just give it a go and just see, just see what I, what I, what I came up with. So you've got to roll 2d6 on this get, to get the, it's a 36 different results, I guess. Six by six. And your character, so first I roll five, which is accent or speech, and then I roll three, thinks out loud. There you go. Thinks out loud. It is fun, this. I do the pockmarked cheeks, pierced ear, (laughs) scent of stale meat. Nice. Flips a coin to make decisions. Bit of two-face going on there. Yeah. Hmm. And then we can also you can also roll for eye type, eye colour, hair colour, height, all sorts of stuff. But this is from the Age of Sigma Soulbound Court Rulebook, which you can get in PDF already, I believe, and you can indeed, yep. hardcover. Oh. Yeah, and you can pre-order hardback now and get the PDF immediately. And you are the, the producer of this fine work. Yes, so uh, producer Ooh. on Age of Sigma Soulbound for all that entails. Um Cat wrangler, I generally <laughs> say. Um, Chief cat yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, along with Dom, we designed the system together um, and did a uh, the the main rules mechanics, mm. um, writing those up, uh, and then we had a ton of other people who did some fantastic work on all the rest of the writing and art and everything. So huge team effort to get it out, and it was uh, yeah, it was very exciting to release it a few weeks back. Um, and so far, the reception has been absolutely fantastic. Kind of more more than we could have hoped for, really. Hmm. So, Ooh. so it's one of the Warhammer family of products. So we've got Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. Mm-hmm. We've got Warhammer Forty K Wrath and Glory. Both of those games being produced oh. by Cubicle Seven, and this is a third yep. one. Yes, uh, mm-hmm. Age of Sigma. Can you just just talk a little on how this game relates to the other Warhammer games that you're, uh, or how it doesn't relate? Or was, how does it fit into the overall scheme? Yeah, so, I mean, there are different feels 
to the different Warhammer lines. So Warhammer Fantasy is very much grimdark. You start on the very bottom, like mm. you're playing peasants and boatmen and things like that. And you're- I always like to describe it as your, like, if you imagine some peasants rolling around them trying to stab each other with pointed sticks while calling each other witches, that's the right sort of mindset to be in for Warhammer Fantasy. And it's raining. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, of course, it's raining. Yeah. Otherwise, you can't get that. It's raining and muddy and terrible, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. everyone's got cholera and I mean, the, the, the perfect epitome for me for uh, Wolf Rupp was we were playing a bit of Death on the Reich a while back, and I was mm. playing a grave robber, mm. but nice. I didn't even have a shovel. <laughs> so my... Just have to use your you have, like, a crowbar <laughs> and your hands, so my, uh, my short-term goal was get a shovel. <laughs> Oh, and pretty. someone bought me a sword and I had it reforged into a shovel. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's, that's Wolf Rope. Wolf Rope is very, um, you're fighting for everything you get. You're kind of starting on, on, on the bottom and, and working your way as up as you can, as you can get, which is usually yeah. not far before you get kicked back down again. Then you have 40K, which is the, uh, the grim darkness of the 41st millennium. 40,000 years in the future, possibly from fantasy or possibly a different world. It's 40,000 years. That's a ludicrous length of time. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just unimaginable sort of thing. Yeah, 40K yeah. is you have all the, the high technology and technology is treated as um, like religious, uh, as, a, mm. as a religious thing that everyone worships the yeah. emperor. Very grim, very dark, very punishing as well. But you have cooler stuff. Mm. <laughs> um, you, do, you do get a shovel win now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You get, yeah. You get well, someone well, who follows you, you around. If you found the ancient horde of technology which will allow you to get the 3D printers to make your shovel, you might have a shovel, yeah. but yeah, let's not get ahead of some yeah, yeah. so, you know. Um, <laughs> shovels. And then, so, Age of Sigmar then is was released in 2015. It yes. is basically a Warhammer fantasy the world ended in the end times. Um, yes. And Chaos won, and the world basically exploded. So, Age of Sigmar starts right after well not right after but starts after that where Sigmar the God King uh, I'm not sure if he's calling himself the God King at that point is catapulted through the ether of the world mm. and mm. is found clinging to the remnants of the old world uh, found by Dracothian uh, one of the celestial dragons who rescues Sigmar and they discover these eight different realms um, for anyone familiar with uh, Warhammer Fantasy the eight realms correspond to what were the eight winds of magic right so you have the mm. realm of fire, you have the uh, realm of death, realm of life, realm of metal, realm of beasts, that kind of thing. Um, so Gur is the realm of beasts, Akshi is the realm of fire, Giran is the realm of life, um, Shaish is the realm of death. Uh, and you have, have these basically eight infinite realm spheres um, that are just permeating with this magic. E- each form of magic exists in each sphere, but they'll be stronger. So the, the fire magic is stronger in Akshi, or the mm. realm of fire, but other magic is usable there. Um, so Age of Sigmar kind of takes up from Warhammer Fantasy in that regard, but tone and feel, it's much bigger. Um, it's much more this kind of mythic scale of things. You have one of the key things is the, the Stormcast Eternals, which are these like seven foot tall golden armored demigods that mm. oh. are the souls of regular folk who were exceptional hammered and reforged into these demigods and then sent to fight the forces of chaos. Right. Um, yeah. So Age of Sigmar is much 
grander and, and more mythic in scale than, say, Wolfrop or 40k. For the RPG, that means it feels... It's a much different feel. It, it really is Warhammer, but not as I know it, sort of thing. It seems like a completely different... I, I was sort of expecting it to be similar to the original Warhammer Fantasy roleplay, but it is well out there. It's very, very different. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's um, There's some stuff that people might recognise from the old world. Particularly recognise some of the names. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like Gotrek has <laughs> come to Age of Sigmar now as well. Okay, fair enough. And he's not pleased. Um, <laughs> well, Got- Gotrek being a, what's it, a troll slayer whose whole purpose in life was to die a glorious death fighting something much bigger that wants to eat him. Yeah. Um, I imagine he's probably not being a fight. He's like, I'm still alive. It's been the literal end of the world. What is this bullshit? Yeah. Come on, guys. Yeah. Get, get a job. That's going to be fundamentally yeah. disappointing, hasn't it? Yeah. It's like, you know, I've had a literal apocalypse happen in my face. I'm still here. Mm. Like, come on, people. Rage again. Rage again. <laughs> Sorry. So that's that's kind of the setting and the kind of feel of the mm, mm. Um, what's the what's the soulbound part of the title? Well, that's that's the that's the characters you play, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So basically, the the there's a couple of different ages in Age of Sigmar. So you had the initial the Age of Myth, which was when Sigmar went around and he united. He found all a number of the gods from the old world, mm. or yeah demigods or, or powerful beings so you have you know like Teclas and Tyrion and Grungni and Grimnir and Nagash and Alariel and he created this yeah. pantheon Nagash. of order yeah Nagash is yeah. my boy I love Nagash <laughs> yeah. okay yep <laughs> so you have this pantheon of order in the age of myth and they kind of they gather the mortal forces and they start to create these incredible epic um cities and for a little while everything is okay and they go and fight these zodiacal god beasts and slay them Grimnir goes to fight a fire dragon salamander and him and the dragon explode so that's the kind of the age of myth but chaos is ever present so chaos starts to seep in and create these little cracks in the world people slowly start to turn on each other the pantheon so slowly breaks like the elven gods Malarion, Teclas Tyrion and Marathi who's not quite a god but mm. she's kind of pretending um, they split off and start doing their own thing Alariel starts to turn inward as well. Nagash gets really angry at Sigmar and kind of <laughs> turns on him. So uh, the Age of Myth ends when Chaos comes into the world and the oh. Age of Chaos begins. Mm. And mm. the Pantheon is shattered and broken. Everything goes to hell, quite literally. And Sigmar takes who he can and retreats behind his gates in Azir, which is the realm of heaven. Mm. Yeah. So you have centuries of this horrible, horrible Age of Chaos then you have, while this is going on, Sigmar is in Azir, and he, this is when he, him, he and Grungni work on the Stormcast Eternals, which basically they take mortal souls, anyone already dead or currently fighting for their lives in the Age of Chaos, and they forge them into Stormcast Eternals. Eventually it gets to a point where he has to send the Stormcast down, and he takes back the Realm Gates, which are used to travel between the realms, and the Age of Sigmar begins, which is forces of chaos are pushed back to some extent, and order has got a little bit of a foothold back in the realms. So that's that's how that was. And they start to get a bit of foothold and they build cities around these giant realm gates. And then Nagash enacts his plan that he's been working on for like thousands of years. Ah, oh, Nagash, Nagash was planning ahead. Nagash yeah. is like playing some Xanathar chess here. Yeah, absolutely. He's yeah. like, oh, yes, yes. At some point in the future, your guys are going to try and mess me around. So I'm going to set in a plan which will take thousands of years to complete. Yeah. 
So Nagasha's basically angry that everyone's been stealing souls and taking stole souls which he feels belong to him and turning them into Stormcast Eternals or for turning them into the new elves. Mm. Um, yeah, and they should have asked for us. Yeah. And, Nag- and Nagash enacts his uh, plan to just take over the realms, fill them with death magic. Unfortunately, yeah. right when at the key moment, a couple of Skaven get into his big black pyramid and they introduce a hint of chaos to it and everything goes uh, bad. Ooh, yeah. Uh, it, it, it's just classic, classic Skaven. They get in amongst the stuff. They start gnawing on cables that they shouldn't be gnawing yeah. on. And then that's it. The whole ley line thing goes all completely, uh, you know, pear shaped. And you've got a giant, what's it, the void of Nagash or something? I can't remember what it's called, but it's like basically this sort of giant pit of black magic and so forth, which is sucking all the magic, but it's also going, yeah, and of course, yeah. what's it, the, the necroquake? The necroquake, yeah. So basically, the that's a good word. Yeah. All the That's magic good, strong in Shage yeah. flows to Nagash, but he's actually not able to hold it, and it erupts out of him across all of the realms and raises basically the dead in everywhere in the realms. Mm. And all these ghosts yeah. and spirits come up, and it pretty it, much and it, it would be a zombie apocalypse, but it's like about two apocalypses late. Yeah, by this point. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, so that's where you start in Soulbound. Mm. The Soulbound were actually existed in the Age of Myth. They're powerful mortals who are bound together and their souls are literally bound to one another. And they sort of work like a black ops team in the mortal realms. Mm. Um, with things going so bad now, after the Necroquake, Sigmar has tried to bring that back and has sent out a call to the what were the Pantheon gods, the other gods, to oh. try and come back and unite to some extent and create this, bring the soul band back and take strong powerful mortal heroes from around the realms and bind them into this soul binding. So when you become soulbound, you literally bind your souls to everyone else in that group um, for the rest of your life until you die. Um, And they, I like to think of the soulbound as kind of, yeah, like X-Force from Mm. X-Men or Suicide Squad. Like they're not necessarily good guys. So what does this this soul binding itself, what effect does that have? I mean, do you, Mm. can you sort of hear what what people it's a, it's a fairly major part of it. It's like the subtitle of the game. Yeah. So it seems like a core concept that yeah. we should be on board with. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not one of yeah. mecha- sort of a mechanical sort of thing. If, say, I, my, I'm so bound to you, what does that specifically mean? So, mechanics wise, we have a resource in the game. Story wise, well, I suppose on mechanics wise, your characters don't age right. um, when they're soul bound to one another, but they never really live long enough to benefit from that. <laughs> When you're soulbound, one of the big things in and one of the reasons a lot of the species in different factions will sign on is when you're soulbound and you die, your soul explodes mm. and becomes oh. one with the kind of mortal realms. So it means Nagash can never get your soul. So you have species like the Ideneth Deepkin who are elves. They were the elven souls that lived in the belly of Slanesh for basically Slanesh consumed them all at the end of the end times and they yep. were living in his belly for thousands of years and then they were turned into the Ideneth Deepkin so they are very much about keeping their souls safe and not letting their souls be taken again. So when they sign up with the Soulbound, their souls cannot be taken by Nagash or anyone else. They just explode and they go back to the realms, um, which to a lot of people is a, is a good thing. Um, mechanically, you get access to this thing called Soul Fire, which is because your souls are bound to each other. Mm. You can harness mm. the energy of other people's souls and all your souls together to mm. accomplish these incredible feats. It does mean you don't have, you know, like a raised dead spell. If your character dies in Soulbound, they're gone. Right. 
unless you're Stormcast Eternal. So if you're Stormcast Eternal, you can go and be reforged and you can come back later. Yeah, you've got your own revolving door at the afterlife. Which, which is apparently a very painful process from what I read. Yeah. Well, I imagine being put in a big forge and hit with a hammer repeatedly <laughs> would be quite painful. Yes. <laughs> oh, oh, right and soul. So I was just looking at the different yes, characters you can play. So you've got five races, or species. So, you, uh, so we've got humans. You can play human, a human. Yep. You can play a Stormcast Eternal, which you were just referring to. Uh, these guys are sort of created, forged um, beings that are kind of like perfect, idealised humans. Is that a fair? Yeah, pretty much. They're kind of like the peak human ability. They're, you know, they're about seven foot tall. They have incredible musculature and all mm. that kind of stuff. They are basically demigods. Well, they're, just, just, they're a bit so- like, just a bit like me then, really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Their souls are taken and reforged and reshaped, so they actually have they they don't remember their past life, mm. um, no. but they gradually start to get fragments of it. Right as as they the longer they live, which is it, from an RP standpoint, it gives them so much r- road to run with. This idea that you have this past life that you don't remember. Mm. You also have when you die and are reforged, your soul like you start to degrade slightly. Mm-hmm. And you forget who you are, and you become slightly even less human or or, or, or less normal. So so they have a lot going on for them. Um, from an RP standpoint, you know the the whole "Hey, I can be reforged and come back" is not really get out of jail free card because mm-hmm. that can take weeks, weeks or months or years. Um, and with the Necroquake, it's not without its own risks as well. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But but Stormcast cannot be soul bound because their souls are already bound to Sigmar. Um, so they are kind of. They're part of the group, but also apart from the group. Right, right. What else have we got? But what's it got? I mean, it says elf, but with an A in the front of it. Was the correct pronunciation? Did you just say elf? Or? Elf. Elf, yeah, okay. Elf. Yeah. elf. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got yes. Dwarden, which are basically sort of dwarves. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. is that fair? Yeah. Uh, and tree people called Sylvaneth. Sylvaneth, yes. Yeah. Yeah, they are great. Who doesn't want to be like a twelve foot tall tree, right? Uh, I don't know. I mean, Peter. Peter is a twelve foot tall, tall tree, pretty much. Uh, I mean, I, I appear smaller now because I'm sitting yeah. down. But master habits. Yeah. So who, who are these Sylvaneth chaps then? Yeah. What's, the, uh, what's, the, what's the what's the what's the deal with these guys? So hmm. the Sylvaneth are the children of Alariel. So Alariel, the Ever Queen, goddess of life. So she her her realm would be. Giran, mm-hmm. um, which is the realm of life. Mm-hmm. She created the Sylvaneth from the soul pods that she she planted the soul pods, planted the Sylvaneth, and they grew into these beings, kind of humanoid type tree pe- tree people. Essentially, there's various different types of them. Uh, in this, we have the Kurnoth hunters, who are like twelve foot tall, mm-hmm. r- kind of rangers, I suppose. They uh, you know use bows and swords. Mm-hmm. You have the Branch Witch, who uh, is more of a magic user. They're tasked with overseeing the sylvaneth grove so when a sylvaneth dies they can be planted again so they have this lamentiri in their chest so they can be planted again and regrow and they have the memories of all of their past lives the only thing is when you when a sylvaneth becomes soulbound they are cut off from that so it, it's a big thing for them they don't want to be soulbound mm. but alariel will come to them and ask them to do it and they won't say no right essentially because it's it's kind of an honor even though they sort of don't want to do it <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah, some of them are very interesting. There's a lot of fun um, role playing potential there as well. Uh, the, the elf, the elves, and the dwarven uh, are they just kind of uh, sort of typical elves and dwarves, or is there some differences there from what we're used to? No, 
Uh, I would say no. <laughs> so you have you have the fire slayers, which you know is is I suppose more of a traditional dwarf in that sense, mm. but they are um, almost like the old slayer that you would get in, in Warhammer Fantasy. Right. But they hammer. They don't wear armor, and they they but they hammer these glowing red metal runes into their flesh, which is basically when I said Grimnir exploded. Uh, fighting the Volcatrix, which is this uh, huge fire dragon. His soul infused gold throughout the realms with his essence. Hmm. So, the it's, which the fire is called Urugold. And all they want to do, is, it, it kind of ties in really nicely to their mercenary nature, is they will only be paid in gold. But the reason is, some of that gold, like one in every hundred pieces or whatever, will have a fragment of Grimnir in it and will be Urugold which will then be uh, melted down and forged into these rooms and hammered into their flesh. Fire Slayers believe that by having them in their flesh um, and going into combat, it releases Grimnir's spirit. And if they do that with all the gold, Grimnir will return. Um, so the actual runes do to give them extra powers. And mechanically, you get like armor and you get plus one damage and all that kind of stuff. Um, but they do, they burn up and you have to get them, you have to get new ones installed. They stay in your flesh, but they become inert. Hmm. Um, so you have to go and get more. Then, aside from the Fire Slayers, you have the Caradron Overlords, who are, they were more of traditional uh, dwarves, Dwarden, um, that lived on the ground. Uh, during the Age of Chaos, they basically took to their skyships, uh, their airships, and they are engineers and mechanics. They fly around in huge airships with these kind of metal balloons on top. They have, like, um, their own, like, mini jetpacks. They have, like, Gatling guns. <laughs> and awesome. Yeah, the the Caradron are absolutely amazing. Mm. They are quite different to what you would expect from Dwarden. They don't really have much of a tie to the gods or anything like that, but they have the Caradron Code, which is a a code, like a legalese document that they uh, live by. But the actual Caradron Battle Tome from Games Workshop has these wonderful things in it where it'll have a, a bit of the code, but then there's all these addendums and all this stuff added to it. So oh. they're, they're really all about working within the constraints of a contract and finding like sneaky ways around it and stuff like that. Um, oh, of course. Okay. But also have but these... It's down. It's not worth the paper it's written on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, they have all these inc- this incredible technology that they uh, they can use and that if you play a character on, you start with that technology, which is essentially magic. Mm-hmm. So when you're creating a character, you choose, you choose one of these species, these five species... And then you mm-hmm. choose an archetype, and you've got twenty odd, twenty more than twenty uh, archetypes. Yeah, so in the book there. yeah, so we have twenty three archetypes 23. in the book, and the archetype is kind of just a, 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 an easy way to get started playing. The archetype will tell you what your species is. Um, there's one in there that lets you pick your species, but the archetype will tell you, okay, I'm playing um, a sky rigger, which is a caradron. You are a dwarden, right? Okay, and you get all this stuff. And um, you have a talent that you start with. That's your kind of your main character, your character's main thing that they do. And you have core skills that you're good at. And then you have a selection of talents and skills you can choose from. So, the, so the archetype's kind of almost like a pre-generated PC. Yeah, it's like, yeah. A, it's, it's like a pre-generated, you've like, it's 80% of the way there. So, yeah. And you can do mm, the rest. Yeah. So we have those Which archetypes in there. Though. Yeah, because it stops you, like, not because you don't know what you do. And just picking stuff at random stops you from going completely off the reservation. Yeah, I mean, one of our goals with Soulbound was to make it as friendly to new players as possible because mm. we knew we'd have a lot of people coming over from the battle game and we also wanted to just make it welcoming to new players generally mm. who had never played an RPG before. Oh, cool. yeah. So the archetypes are the goal to do that. But at the very top of the archetype or the character creation chapter, there's rules for just using basically point by to create your character from right. scratch. I personally believe that 
pretty much everyone will use that maybe after the first time they've played. Mm -hmm. They'll use an archetype and then they'll go, actually, I'll just use the point pie because they're all built from the same rules. So it it, it works perfectly. But the archetypes are just a way you can go, okay, boom, 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 I'm done. I can start adventuring now. Or if you want to go, I go, okay, well, I have 35 points to build my character and you can get into the fun Mm -hmm. of doing all that kind of stuff. But but you essentially got like twenty three pregens almost with some customizability right in the books. That's a that sounds like a good way. I noticed also that there was a in the GM advice because mm. like as as someone who might end up running this sort of thing, I do feel the need to have a look at that. Uh, you got the difficulty by dice ball table. Mm. Yeah, uh, that's page two ninety. Yeah, determining difficult because you've got the what's it? They've got the difficulty of a test where you've got to roll above equal to above a number and they've got the number of successes you need so like got all sorts of difficulties from roll difficulty three so i need to roll a three on one dice is that yeah so the 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 system uses d6 dice pools which i think dom touched on yeah. a few months back you basically have yeah your dn which has a difficulty and complexity the difficulty is the number you have to get which say four, mm-hmm. complexity is how many times you have to get it. So four, one, all you need, you roll your whole dice pool, and if you get at least one four, you're grand, you succeed. Right. Um, if it's four, three, you actually need three successes, uh, and that's it. The We have the difficulty by dice pool there on page 290. I mean, we say in the book that, you know, something is just the difficulty it is. Like climbing a mountain is the same difficulty no matter who you are. Right. But for GMs, a lot of the time, knowing how hard things are, like if you say, okay, well, it's a six, three body might test GMs will want to know, okay, well, how hard is that? Is that actually doable? And if you look at the table, it's, yes, really, really hard. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, even if you've got, like, a big 10d6 dice ball, it's still a hard task, and the rest of the time, it's very hard or even impossible, so, yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Talking of the system, how sort of light or crunchy would you you say it? It looks fairly reasonably simple to me, just from from my glance through it. Where would you you say it sort of falls on that spectrum? Yeah, again, you know, we wanted it to be approachable. A part of that was using D6s, because everyone's seen a D6 before. Yep. Uh, it would obviously be familiar to people who play the battle game, but it also, you know, a lot of people, if they've played, you know, Monopoly or whatever, they've seen a they've seen a six-sided dice. Um, so that was the idea behind using D6s. The system, we wanted to just at a glance, you go, okay, well, these are successes, grand, we can run with those. So at its heart, I think it is quite a simple, approachable system. But also has, like, this is what sounds like such a cliche, but it has a lot of depth to it where you can mm. expand on it. And that that simplicity allows you to do complex things. Mm. Whereas mm. if you have a complex system, it's harder to get to simplicity. Yeah. So we started from a simple place and we've layered a lot of complexity yeah. on it. Like, you know, we have rules for creating spells from scratch in there, which is only possible with a simple system, but allows for some really complex combinations. We have the Caradron gear, which is kind of the same kind of thing. So, you're, yeah, you have your dice pool, and then if you take training in a skill, you get an extra dice. If you take focus in a skill, it gives you a plus one, mm-hmm. or plus two, or plus three that you can distribute amongst your dice. So, fairly simple to just get and start playing and, and start throwing dice, mm. um, but there is a lot of uh, depth to it there. Yeah. I mean, you've got three, attri- three fairly broad attributes there. You know, body, yeah. mind, and soul. Was the third one? Soul, soul yeah. yeah. So, they're, they're quite broad. What was the thinking, like... You know, sort of D&D does six and other games do up to ten or whatever. What was, the, what was the thinking of going with, like, three very sort of broad ones like that? Yeah, again, like, it kind of all came back to, just from chatting to Dom, mm. um, just having that uh, that simplicity. You know, I, I mean, there's a bit of kind of discordance there at times when you're designing something. Because, you know, yeah. I, I've been playing D&D for years. So, okay, well, strength is one thing, dexterity is another thing. Mm. Body doesn't 
cover that body is so much mm -hmm. but that minutia comes down kind of in your skills and in your talents and things so you'd say you have body four okay that means you're just generally very athletic and strong and spry and all that kind of stuff but then you can take say reflexes which means that you're actually really deft and you can move sure, quickly or yeah. you take mice and you're really strong for a while we tied toyed with the idea of okay you have negatives like you know you could have body four but you could be clumsy so you're not good at certain things but right. um it, it, it just didn't fit the system it brought in an unnecessary layer of yeah. kind of complexity and stuff for it and yeah. a lot of the design thinking for Age of Sigmar was that kind of yes and you know it, we wanted people to feel strong and empowered mm. um, and those yeah. kind of things don't really lend themselves yeah it's probably a game yeah. that so a lot, it's like, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I mean you have literally been designed by gods to be your chosen champions in the world so yeah yeah the, the, the flaws are really more like within your sort of um sort of your personality like your hubris your arrogance and tendency to despair yeah is that a fair summation yeah 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 like we try to give people as many tools as they can to to tell interesting mm. stories mm, mm, mm. and a lot of the simplicity a lot of what we tried to build in with the simplicity was to give room to make it easy to tell those stories mm. like the ages age of sigmar as a game and the system itself is going to probably have a good chunk of combat mm. so we wanted the combat to be quick and punchy and uh, easy for people to get through uh, when you're cutting down swathes of enemies yeah. and and uh, go forward and yeah exactly um, uh, so you got so you got your team of soulbound special ops semi divine super ninjas um, yes. uh, <laughs> <laughs> and they're, they're sent to facing seriously terrifying yeah, so they're sent out to yeah. to battle the uh, the forces of chaos. So, just from a starting point of view, just from a, when a player sits down to play his first game, what sort of adventure, what sort of mission, what sort of thing are they going to find themselves doing? I mean, what would a, what would a simple starting adventure sort of look like in your head for for characters to introduce them it, to the it, world? It's funny. I was actually I was <laughs> I was reading over our free adventure last night that um that will be coming uh -huh. out in a week or two, and. Ah. Oh, yeah, I'm actually I'm running it for my home game tonight. Uh, I'm very yeah, I'm very excited about it. But basically, so that yeah. adventure starts off where you're in Hammerhall, yeah. which is the huge metropolis in Akshi, and you're basically loading up with a car-drawn fleet of airships. There's like dozens of airships, and you're flying across the realm to get to a new city called Brightspear, mm -hmm. which conveniently is where our starter set starts. So basically, you start off as part of this fleet, and while you're in flight, you are attacked by hordes of Tsinchin demons and horrors and things oh, like that. So you're fighting like yeah. Sangor Skyfires and Screamers of Tsinch and all this kind of stuff. Um, your ship goes down and crashes and you have to make your way through the Kindling Forest, which is a forest that is perpetually on fire <laughs> and try and keep people with you, the survivors alive while fighting off like Grots and uh, Trogoths, which like um, goblins and trolls as you go through this. So you are facing... A, a lot of things yeah combats always have dozens of enemies i would say mm -hmm. right like but try and give an example i did before where we did a play test and you basically there was like 10 pink horrors and for anyone who knows pink horrors when a pink horror dies they split into two blue horrors and then when a blue horror dies they split into two brimstone horrors so very quickly there was like 40 enemies wow on the battlefield but we got through the combat in like half an hour. So it's quite um, easy to just like really? cut your way through like large numbers of... Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we have we have um, swarms that we use and minions, if anyone remembers kind of like the 4E yeah, D&D &D yeah, stuff. Yeah. You have minions who are like, they have certain stats, but their health is calculated differently. So they take one hit and they're yeah, gone. Yeah, yeah. 
most minions have a swarm ability that they can all if they're all in the same zone together so like a clan rat or a grot by themselves is easy if there's three or more in a zone they count as a swarm swarms can be like 10 20 whatever size they get more dice to roll to hit you mm. and all this kind of stuff so they are still a threat but as soon as you swing at them you can kill five or six so there's less in the swarm so they're rolling less dice so you can very quickly be cleaving down hordes of enemies or if a a, a wizard drops a fireball in there they'll just all die yeah, yeah. <laughs> basically yeah so you could just like wade into sort of piles of enemies and just like you know lay about left yeah. right and center and just yeah. feel properly one of, one of the things in it i suppose is it's it's not about what i say is it's not about if you'll win it's how long you can keep winning right so you're gradually getting worn down so you'll get through combat we have toughness and wounds toughness is basically like you get hit and after the combat your toughness just comes back but if you run out of toughness, you start to take wounds. Wounds are very hard to get back. So you're gradually like, I, I always, I always uh, feel like uh, I describe it as Halo, where you have your shield. Once your shield goes down, you start to actually get hurt. Mm. Uh, and then your shield comes back, but your health st- stays right, down. Yeah, so that's yeah. kind of, so it's, you're gradually accumulating these wounds as you go on. You're still kind of cleaving through people, but things are gradually getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And that's something that permeates the game as a whole, mm. I think. It's uh, stemming the tide of this like unwinnable fight almost so is the game just pretty much a a war setting all the time or are there other sort of corners that you can explore in 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 Uh, no no um one of the things i think people were very excited about the the age of sigma rpg was seeing what regular life looks like so if you look at the the book that we have there's we have 40 pages on the mortal realms alone so, you know, however many pages on what the realms are like, mm-hmm. and we explore each of the realms themselves. Then we have another 30 pages on the realm of Akshi, or the Great Parch in Akshi, which is like, what's daily life like? What do people do for entertainment if they can? How do they survive? How do they farm? Because mm. basically people can spend their entire lives living in a city. They never go beyond the walls. So the farms kind of have to be in the city. So you have like these hanging gardens, hanging off huge towers that are kind of guarded and protected. And you'll have life jade wizards there kind of tending to them and stuff like that. And it's, it's what does life look like in that scenario? Mm. Um, so there's, there's definitely a lot of room to explore that. And, you know, the, the start adventure is like hey, kind of big bombastic stuff um, to give oh. people a feel of what Age of Sigmar is like. This week we announced Shadows in the Mist, which is going to be a series of adventures we're doing set in Anvilgard, mm-hmm. which I think will be quite different from what people expect. You'll still have a lot mm-hmm. of that big kind of bombastic fighting these huge horrors, but a lot of it is navigating this city run by pirates and like sinister elves and things like that. And there's the Black Scale Coil, which are this malicious organization in there that are trying to take over the city. And you're working your way through all that. Mm-hmm. So... That's a situation where a big golden seven foot tall warrior isn't going to really shine. And it's why the soulbound are important because they can explore these kind of do these more subtle missions and things like that. Yeah, as well. yeah. Um, yeah. You just you just okay. mentioned some of your upcoming projects there. In, uh, in, uh, um, I was just looking at the starter set there. I mean, mm. there's a whole bunch that you uh, you announced just the other day. In fact, it's like seven or eight different mm. things that you uh, that you mentioned. Yeah, yeah, we like to put the pressure on ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> so, can we, can we whip through those and just have a quick, you know, talk about talk about some of those quickly? Is that all right? Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Uh, um, okay, let's start with the starter set then, because that's the one that's at the top of my screen right now. Um, yep. What can we expect to see in the starter set? Um, so, the starter set is very much built on what Wolfrop did with the starter set which got um, a, a really good feedback i think yeah. so uh, one of dom's goals with starter sets is you know a lot of time you'll play through them and chuck them away mm-hmm. 
So giving an, a value add and something that you can keep using. So the starter set comes with an introductory adventure, 48 pages, uh, introduces to Age of Sigmar and go through the adventure and learn the rules. And then it comes with a 64 page guide to Brightspear, which is our new city um, that we've created for this. And it gives loads of information on the city. It's like a mini uh, setting guide for the city, different places you can go, different people you can meet, it has some more adventure hooks and things in there. So people can start adventuring in Brightspear and use that to kind of kick off their campaign. So they always have that as a resource. Uh, then oh, you'll have, you know, your pre-gens, your dice, tokens, that kind of thing as well. So this is a proper boxed set. It's, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, um, cause, oh, you know, one of the things that we hear all the time when, you know, well, not this year, last year going to conventions was how happy everyone was with the uh, Warhammer starter set. I, for do, I, do, I do love box um, sets. I think they're the perfect way to... Yeah, the, the the Warhammer one is just incredible. There was an absolutely fantastic yeah. job done on that, um, and I can say that because I didn't work on it. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so we can be kind about yeah, it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what we're trying to achieve with the the Soulman starter set as well. Yeah. Um, what else do we have on the uh, list? So you you mentioned earlier this uh, free adventure, which is called Crash and Burn. We've just talked yes. about that. So when when are we when are we going to see that one? Um, it's been through editing, so it has to go through layout and proofing and stuff like that. Yeah. But I would, I would hope to have it early June. So sure. depending on things, you know, the week, week of the first or the week after, mm-hmm. um, should yeah. be out as soon as we can. That's written by Elaine Lithgow, who wrote a, the the bestiary in Soulbound as well, and mm-hmm. did a lot of writing for Wrath and Glory mm-hmm. uh, as well. The adventure is just stupid amounts of fun. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to running it and seeing what how people react to it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So this yeah. this next thing, I, I, this is kind of near and dear to my heart because uh, you, you, your GM screen here, but you've got this supplement called Cities of Flame, mm. and it yeah. contains twenty five one page adventures. And I'm a big fan of one page adventures. I've got a Patreon myself yeah. where I uh, where I put out a one page adventure every single month, and I really really enjoy doing them. And I think they're wonderful wonderful things. One page adventures. I think they're yeah. amazing. Um, so what, what, can you, what can you tell us about this? What can we what can we see in here? Yeah, so this was kind of um, to give people, because there's so many places you can adventure in, you know, the Great Pirate are actually, yeah. never mind the rest of the Mortal Realms. So what we want to do is basically give people, there's five adventures set in five major cities mm-hmm. of Sigmar. So you have Anvilgard, you have Brightspear, you have Hammerhall, Hallowheart, and Tempest Eye. They're all built on this structure that we set up in the core book, which is rumors, fears, and threats. Mm-hmm. So the idea being, as players walk around the world or in a city, they'll start to hear rumors of things going on. They can note it down on the party sheet, any rumors they've heard. Whenever you go do kind of downtime activities, which is another thing we have in the book, a rumor, either chosen by the GM or by at random, a rumor escalates to a fear, which is, yeah, this thing is actually happening. People are starting to get a bit tense. How are things happening in the world? If it's not stopped there, it escalates to a threat, mm-hmm. which is the adventure hole. Um, so basically, this gives the GM like 25 of these rumors that they can drop into their adventure and players can hear them and they can latch onto them or not. And they can the GMs can see them early and they right. escalate. Um, so we have those structured as rumors, fear and threat. The threat part of it is actually the adventure. Right. Um, so, so it's a bit like the concept of fronts coming. So these things. Yeah, advance. absolutely. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Um, which I love. Yeah, that sounds good. Big fan yeah. of... Uh, Apocalypse world. Mm. So next we have uh, Shadows in the Mist. Yes. And you mentioned that earlier as well, but this is a big campaign arc, basically. Six adventures, uh, a, a guidebook. Yep. Uh, and that's that's not for that's not for a while yet, is it? It's a pre-orders in quarter three, 2020. 
on your website there. Yeah, so basically what we'll be doing, Shadows in the Mist is a series of adventures set in Anvilgard. Mm. So what we'll be doing is releasing uh, one adventure at a time. The first adventure is called Blood Tide, written by Jacob Rogers, mm -hmm. who wrote um, on The One Ring and Adventures in Middle-Earth for us and has done a lot of stuff for us. Um, he's also writing the starter set adventure. So we release the first adventure and we'll release the 30-page uh, Anvilgard guide. Then every month afterwards, we'll release a new adventure. Mm -hmm. So we actually hope that the uh, Shadows in the Mist will be up for pre-order like early Q3. Okay. So July, August. So when that comes out, if people pre-order the hardback, what will happen is they'll get the PDF of the Anvil Guard guide and they'll get the PDF of the first adventure. Then every month after, they'll get a new PDF. So what's, um, so what's the general theme of this, Shadows in the Mist? What's the general sort of... Are you able to talk about the overall storyline at all yet? Yeah, so uh, Anvilgard is a is a really interesting city compared to some of the other cities mm. because all of the cities in Sigma are run by this uh, grand conclave who decide what's going to happen and all this kind of stuff. Anvilgard is like a pirate city Ooh. in oh, Age of Sigma, so you have like the you have the Black Ark Corsairs, yeah. you have the Darkling Covens, and all that kind of stuff. The grand conclave is there, but the Black Scale Coil actually probably runs the city, mm. so you're basically sent in. As a precursor to uh, like a, a Lord Veritant of the Stormcast Eternal coming in and just cleaning house mm. and killing everyone. Um, so you're sent in to basically find out what's going on, try and root out the, the black scale coil and see, you know, who do they control on the Grand Conclave? How many fingers are in how many pies and things like that? So it's a bit more of an um, investigation and mystery kind of thing. But of course, the, the scale of things is, is much bigger. There will be some other threats that you won't have ex you won't expect to see that that come about uh, as the story progresses. But there, there's a lot of fun things I think people interact with there. We'll see stuff like going out on a boat and killing ghosts hmm. and or re killing <laughs> ghosts and exploring the jungles around Anvilgard, which are filled with giant yeah. monstrous plants and uh, yeah. all that. I do like giant monstrous plants. Mm. Yeah. yeah, as long as they're carnivorous. Okay, they have to be carnivorous. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything else? Oh yeah, on the list? yeah. We're only halfway through the list. There's more on the list. Uh, well, we've got, 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 yeah, this is kind of our player-facing book. Yep. So um, each faction will get a new archetype. As well as that, we'll be introducing the Lumineth Realm Lords, who are the new faction that are coming out for the battle game. Mm. Um, they are Teclis's elves from uh, Haish, the Realm of Light. Mm. So we'll have archetypes for them, which means we'll have miracles for Teclis. We'll have more miracles for the other gods, which are kind of prayer spells for priests. We'll have more spells generally. Um, we'll have more talents. All that kind mm. of fun stuff. So, you, yeah, you, very much player face. You really are the sort of anti-Wizards of the Coast when it comes to these announcements. <laughs> <laughs> you just like Next announce like announcement 10 about products announcement. all at once. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> just create this schedule for yourself. You now have to... <laughs> yeah. 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 Just to stress myself out. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, are you personally... Do you have to run all of these? 
Or do you get to delegate quite a lot of it? Well, you know, it's, you know, it's my line, mm. uh, you know, I'm the producer on it. So I kind of, I will oversee everything, but obviously we have a team of writers yeah, and yeah. artists and everything like that. And, you know, I'll be, I'll basically ask some of our talented writers, writers be like, hey, can you please write an adventure here? <laughs> and then they do. And I say, thanks. And uh, we, we keep going. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'll be kind of, I'll be over a lot of this. We have a lot of, you know, we've a, we've a good, strong team yeah. there that we've built up um, oh. that we have uh, across each line. So um, most lines have their own like I have artists and writers that I like to use mm-hmm. regularly and um, you know the, the Wolfrop line will have that the Wrath and Glory line will have mm. that um, there's, a, there's a little bit of overlap you know with say in-house artists and editors and stuff but for the most part they're kind of they're oh. their, own, their own teams mm. but, uh, but yeah I get to I get to look at the schedule and panic <laughs> <laughs> it's such a fun job uh, producer life <laughs> yeah yeah. Uh, yeah but you also get to appear on wonderful podcasts like this and talk about it so. yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah Okay. <laughs> and you get paid for it. What, what is all that about? Yeah. Uh, we got a monster book. We got a late 2020, yeah. early 2021 called Horrors of the Immortal mm. Realms. Uh, yeah. That looks fun. Uh, it's just a big old monster book. I mean, being realistic, we could do like two or three of them mm. <laughs> if, if we wanted. Nice. Um, but, you know, the, the core book has a pretty chunky beast, Jerry. I think mm. we yeah. uh, like 40 pages, 60 monsters. It gives different power levels of, that for GMs can look at. Okay, well, this is what a greater demon looks like. This is what a minion, minion looks like. So it gives you lots of options that you can put stuff together yourself. Mm-hmm. The Horrors of Mortal Realms is our chance to go, okay, well, here's, you know, 100, 200 other monsters mm-hmm. as well for you to have. Oh. Um, which is honestly, it's a ton of fun. Before we started the podcast, I was standing up monsters for <laughs> for uh, for the game tonight. So. Uh, right then, 2021, we've got Steam and Steel. Which is also the name yeah. of a book oh. I, I published about 10 years ago as well. Steam and Steel, with a very similar ah. um, theme, it looks like. This is Steel and Steam. There you go. <laughs> uh, so we've got Cogwig yeah. Engineering, not Engineering, Engineering Wonders. Wonders. So this is kind of an, another player-facing book, um, player uh-huh. and GM. So the the Caradron and the Fire Slayers are a big part of uh, the Age of Sigmar. So a book on more awesome Caradron equipment, more Fire Slayer runes. And then outside of those, like rules for just crafting stuff, mm. rules for ships and big cog forts, which yeah. are... What's, what was that film that Peter Jackson did? Mortal... Engines. Not Mortal Instruments, Mortal Engines. Mortal Engines, Engines yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah. Cog oh, Force, which yeah. are basically just these huge, like, castles on wheels mm-hmm. or ruts. Um, so all that kind of fun stuff um, and that we'll have, uh, we'll have in there as well. Sure. And then the last thing on your list there, 2021, Artifacts of Power. Yes. So that will be our kind of spell splat book. Mm-hmm. So a lot more uh-huh. spells that we'll expand on um, and also artifacts and things. Cause again, there's tons of artifacts that we can use from um, the battle game and kind of create mm. our own. So lots of artifacts that will also have um, more endless spells. So for anyone who doesn't know, endless spells are terrifying. After the Necro Quake, spells can basically get out of control and es- essentially gain sentience. <laughs> nice. Oh, living spells, yeah. We have one of them in the core book, the Purple Son of Shaish, which is one of my favorites. The So this will introduce uh, a lot more endless spells that you can cast if you want or accidentally miscast because you screwed something up. <laughs> and I'll tell you how to how to go and hunt endless spells. Or and accidentally things like that, on purpose is, miscast if you really want to just... <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, whoops. <laughs> can I ask a little bit about just like the overall line? Because it's called Soulbound, but Soulbound refers to one particular aspect of the setting 
Is there yeah. is there going to be stuff for it that's not called Soulbound? Is it Age of Sigmar something else, or is it all, or is it all soul, going to be Soulbound? Uh, the system as a whole is Soulbound, or the the, the line is Soulbound. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of the name of the line. But you know the the idea with Soulbound, you know, if we go and explore other factions like Oryx and um, mm-hmm. characters from like death factions yeah. and vampires and stuff like that, we have previous of them aligning themselves with the Pantheon of Order. So conceivably, an Oryx could be Soulbound, mm. or a vampire could be Soulbound. But also, you know. We want to give people options to play their games. Yeah, yeah. Uh, even in the core book, we have, hey, if you don't like Soulbound as a as a concept, you can play with it. Mm. So, you know, giving people more options to do those as well. Yeah. But the line as a whole will be called Soulbound. It kind of reminds me slightly of um, how Warhammer 40k is being um, presented as well, where it's kind of focusing in on mm. one particular area. Yeah. Uh, and this is kind of focusing in on mm. one particular aspect of the setting. And so I was just wondering if it was just sort of a plan to expand from that or whether you're going to keep that quite tight focus. We'll, we'll keep the focus, like our adventures and things will focus on with the assumption that you are soulbound. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Other stuff can be used whether you're soulbound or not if people are just running a game in the setting themselves. Like it's like, okay, well, here you go. You can, you can do this stuff. So one thing that, again, with this is we want to give people freedom to play the game they want. Mm. But, you know, if, if you go to someone, hey, you can do whatever you want, that's... That's daunting. <laughs> Where, yeah, a blank piece of paper is like very hard to start yeah. working on. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. you know, if if we tell people, "Hey, you have to be soulbound," and they go, "No, I want to be something yeah. else," that's yeah. fine. Yeah, that's, yeah, <laughs> that's fine. I, I do have one last question that I do need to ask because it's quite important. Isn't it? Yep. So, if we were interviewing Jeremy Crawford about was the was the coast Dungeons and Dragons, I wouldn't even have to ask this question because I know what you'd say, but. You're not going to say an elven wizard, but my question is, what would be your favourite, your personal favourite character class to play? Oh, um, I do like the Caradron, but I, mm. I, I've been asked before, and I would say the Night Quester of the Stormcast is actually one of the more interesting to me. Um, I find this, I find the Stormcast Eternals really interesting generally because I, I, I think they're quite tragic because they're plucked from a previous life, their souls are reshaped, they don't know who they are, um, and then the Night Quester takes that another step, because Sigmar can just go, hey, um, I need you to go on a quest and do this thing for me. And they just do it? You know, they, they, they're kind right. of, they have to do it. There's just this, yeah. this obligation mm. and this uncertainty about everything. I just I just find them really interesting, I'm, I'm not really they're sure. They've really got that strong guesh on them, and it's like they've got no, they've, they've lost an element of their free will sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, to some extent. They're, they are sort of that kind of, you know, holy warrior, paladin type thing, um, which I don't tend to gravitate towards mm. when I could be a rogue. But uh, but there's something, but the Nightquester is just, it'd be one of my favorites. Could be to do with the art as well for our Nightquester. Nah. Uh, they've, got, they've got a tinge of the grail quest about them, I. Yeah, yeah. I'm picking up, yeah. For me, it's going to be, I think, I think I'd have to lean into the airships and the grappling hooks and all that sort of stuff. I like, I like the look of that. That was fun. Yeah. Why, why? I mean, if I have if, if I have the option to be a dwarf parachuting from balloon whilst blazing away with a six shooting <laughs> rack, rack and gun, yeah. I don't know why I'd play anything else. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah no, that's so fun. Emma, thanks so much. It's been an absolute, absolute pleasure to have you on. Yeah, thanks really so much, guys. I really, really appreciate you having me on. Oh, you're very welcome. Very welcome. Um, well, I hope you enjoyed yourself and. Um, Possibly you can come back. At yeah, some absolutely. Point. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. We should have, we should have some exciting stuff coming up in the future that I think Dom alluded to on his previous yeah. one about our, uh, our own stuff that we're working on. So, oh, fantastic! 
Right. So with that, thank you, everybody, for listening. I hope you enjoyed that informative look at Warhammer Age of Sigma Soulbound. We'll be back next week, as always. But until then, it's goodbye from me, Russ. As goodbye from me, Peter Coffey, from the Southampton Guild Role Players. And goodbye from me, Emma Fern from Cube Girl 7. Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here.